Hello, hello. My buddy, my friend, my champion. <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, We've done it. We've done it. It's been a week. God, what a long week. I feel like I've gotten less work done this week <laughs> because K-State keeps posting these damn videos that just mm. make me ball. Nine minutes. And I sat through it <laughs> while I'm at work. Like, like I don't have things I, I should be doing. I'm watching a nine-minute video on the clock. Just like, whatever. Uh, it's, uh, it's just hard to believe. But... You know, at the end of the day, we have to believe in our cats. We have to believe in our cats. God damn. And they they just made us look so good. Oh, I know. I know. And, uh, I mean, we'll talk about it a little bit in our review. But, um, you know, just to see some of these these guys who have had so much adversity through the year, you know, be able to, to celebrate as a team together. I mean... God, it felt so good. Even though I was out in uh, Alabama, or excuse me, Arkansas, having a cheer. Oh, I was going to say. <laughs> I know, I know. It's all right. Well, uh, as we get our live room together, um, we are excited. We are the Big 12 champions for football. Um, and so yet again, we have a great episode of Cocaine Willie to be able to talk about our Big 12 champions and review the overtime win over TCU for the Cats in Arlington at AT&T Stadium. We are going to also give some first impressions of our bowl matchup uh, versus the Alabama Crimson Tide boo at the Sugar Bowl. Um, now you will notice you got me, Fireball Matt, you got Chef Andre here. We are missing our commish, Bob Trollsby. He's over in Europe, in Germany, thousands of miles away, happily vacationing with his wife. So you're stuck with us today, but let's be honest, this is going to be a party. We are going to be partying in the chat and on the show today. So, Chef, yes, let's fucking talk. Let's talk some cats, baby. Let's talk some cats. Where do we want to start? I, you know, I think just let's start in general. That was one of the best K-State football games I have watched in my lifetime. Um, I, I, at least in the top three, but I, I, it's hard because I've been able to see a lot of great games, but this is one of the tops I've ever seen. Incredible. Um, by far one of the biggest victories in program history, um, beating the number three team in the championship game. The game itself had so many twists and turns, a ton of drama. Um, on my side, I had a lot of fireball shots prior to 2 p.m. Um, I I predicted the Cats were going to make this game at the beginning of the season. I know you did, Chef. But in the end, how did it feel to see this team reach their goal and host this troop? Oh, man. Just like you said, the endless amounts of drama that was in the ebbs and flows of the games where you have the highs, the lows. I mean, just you're desperate for a win. And it's just 
you, you get a lead and then it all evaporates in a four minute span and then you've got overtime. We're talking overtime in the conference championship game. Your team's in it and they're grinding to try to get this dub. And it's just, it was just all time classic. Like you said, one of the top three games that I can remember at K State. I mean, not the ones where you're beating down teams or, but just like you said, action packed drama where you don't know it's a coin flip at the end of the game. And we come out on top, so it has to go in that top three. And I'm I, I'm having a hard time with this much drama, with this much impact, with this much at stake. What game could possibly top it? And I'm having a hard time thinking of one. So, like you said, it's it's top three for sure. It's probably my number one, and. It was an absolute blast to watch. Man. Yeah, uh, I, it's it's hard to fathom uh, a game that at one point we were up what twenty one to ten, and we had sacked Duggan. And I'm like, I know it's the third quarter, and I know that TCU the entire season has come back from deficits in the second half. But I was like, this is this is it. Like we're, we're doing this. And, you know, from there, we obviously saw, uh, you know, we scored another touchdown, but they came back and yeah, it, it was really special to be able to see, you know, a, a team that has just gone through so much this season, you know, starting from the quarterback position and the, you know, Adrian getting hurt and will coming in and, you know, from a, a defense perspective, we've known all season, we've had one of the best defenses in the Big 12, best defenses in the country. And this game culminated with all of those position groups having one play that you could say defined the game. You know, Will's pass, you know, to RJ Garcia and, you know, the the fourth down stop. I mean, these position groups that we know have been strong all season – had to come together and and make a play. And so watching this team celebrate getting the trophy, I I just felt so much in the in the moment. I was emotional in the moment and um you know, it's it's good to say, it's great to say that K-State is the Big 12 champions in football and we have so much more to play for now too in uh in a few weeks for sure. The game itself, um, let's start on the offensive side and start with Will Howard. Big Willie had a really good game, um, a solid again in commanding the offense. He was 18 of 32, uh, passing the football for 199 yards. He had three total touchdowns, did not have an interception. Um, I talked about the pass to RJ Garcia in the third quarter, which was an impressive throw, especially in the coverage that was there. What do you look at from Will's performance on Saturday and, and, you know, is there anything that kind of sticks out from what you saw? Man, when you evaluate he's, he's gone, he's gone to this upper echelon of quarterbacks that we've seen in recent history. I mean, if, if we saw this game from Skyler, we would just be, we would be blown away by the efficiency, by the throws he's making. And, Sorry, I'm I'm battling a cold right now, so I might sound like shit. But you sound great. 
You sound great. Oh, thanks. Will Howard probably sounds a lot better than I do, but he he's making throws. I mean, just think of the first long completion to Malik Knowles. I mean, he drops that thing in a bucket 40 yards downfield. And throws like that he's making routinely. Mind you, he's still a little bit off on some throws, but that's just part of the game. You're going to have some drops. You're going to have, like, Cade Warner, a couple that he's not putting in the exact spot, but it's not. they're not coming down with him. But it's okay because he's willing to make those throws. And, I mean, a throw that people aren't even talking about is the one to, I think, what happened? Where where were we at in the game? Where Deuce he throws a ball to Deuce. Deuce jumps like four feet in the air for some reason and just comes down with this ball and snatches it out of the defender's hand. But he's throwing that to the backside of Deuce Vaughn, so where he can he can make that catch and not get absolutely pummeled. And it's it's throws like that that nobody's talking about, but those are next level throws. And Will Howard, I mean, right after that, Will Howard goes tempo and rushes it in for the into the end zone on a on a replay. He's he's evolved so much as a quarterback. The turnovers, not there. He's making smart plays and he's in control of the offense and some people will lead you to believe that this was one of his worst games and it is far from that. It is far from that. This is one of his most clean games, efficient games and at the highest levels versus an undefeated team in the most pressure-packed game of the season, he's making the throws, and he's leading the team. What else can you ask for? I 100% agree. And the thing that is looking full circle at Will Howard, and it's been talked about many times, but even just this season – you know, coming in for the Oklahoma State game and, you know, in at the TCU game and, you know, the fan base with Will Howard has been very, you know, hot and cold, of course, and he has completely changed the outlook of what this team can do in 2023 because of how he's developed this season. He looks like a quarterback that obviously has the capability to lead a team to a big 12 championship, but even next season, he's a quarterback that we have the faith, all the faith in the world. And, you know, this isn't, I I've always felt that Will Howard had the capability to lead this offense. Um, and even to next season, it's this guy could be the best big quarterback in the big 12. You know, who he could be first team preseason all big 12 at quarterback. It's it's amazing to think about. Um, and no doubt 2023 is going to be awesome. And, uh, you know, we'll talk about the Sugar Bowl in a little bit, but I'm expecting he'll have a big game at the Sugar Bowl. Deuce Vaughn, Deuce Vaughn, yet again, highlight reel after highlight reel play. You talked about the catch, which was an excellent catch, you know, especially getting tackled in the air there. Um, he had 160 all-purpose yards, 130 on the ground. The one play we will have etched into our memory forever, the 44-yard touchdown run that put that TCU defensive back right on his ass. Um, the shifty play was incredible. We know potentially the days of Deuce Vaughn in a Cats uniform are numbered. That being said, the cryptic Brian Anderson tweet from 
this evening. I wonder if that's going to be some good news for 2023, but, you know, Deuce Vaughn yet again had a great game, Chef. You know, what what did you think about his performance and what he put together? I mean, he got he he got the hardware. He most outstanding player in the Big 12 championship game and deservingly so. He like you said, that that run will be played just as much as the Darren Sproles screen catch in the Big 12 championship versus Oklahoma. He, his legacy has been etched in stone and it's going to be hung in the rafters, not rafters, I guess I should say, on in the stadium at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. He's going to have his name up there. He is, I mean, arguably the second best running back to ever don a K-State uniform. And games like this, you just, if it wasn't so in the moment and it wasn't such a high-pressure game and for a trophy and all that, like this is a, I mean, I hate to even say this. This is just what we expect from Deuce Vaughn. That's what he does. You know, he, he puts up 100, maybe close to 200 yards in total scrimmage yards. And he puts the team, he gets the, the ugly yards. He makes the explosive plays. He makes, he's a check down. He's an, he's a weapon out of the backfield. He just does everything. And he is a technician. And like you said, maybe, Brian Anderson knows something. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe that has something to do with some Florida recruiting. I don't know. But if it does have something to do with Vaughn and he comes back for next year, that okay, the hypothetical, he does come back. Can he surpass Darren Sproles as an, the all-time running back at K-State? Mm. I, I could there's, – there's a world where that could happen. There, there's a world that that could happen. Um, there is a world that that could happen. I think it's fourteen. Is it fourteen hundred yards that we he would need? I think maybe all purpose or it'd have to be all purpose because he's got him by so much in rushing. He's got like five thousand something yards rushing, and Deuce is at like what is yeah. that? What is Deuce at like thirty six hundred something like that? Yeah, I mean it's just so much, but all purpose he'll he could probably smoke Darren. I think he could. Because a, a big receiving year. But let's say, hypothetically, he comes back. What if, What if, like you were saying, Will Howard is the man, like, he, like he's proven this back half of the season? God, for I mean, it's just so many things. I don't want to get too deep into the weeds for next year, especially because nothing is set in stone. But if – the Holy Trinity comes back. Let's let's call him the Holy Trinity. If they come back, there's no reason why we can't run it back for Big Twelve champ. That that if he if that were to happen, let's way let's put it way way into the future. If he if he comes back, the Holy Trinity comes back, and they run it back. He's the best running back. He's the arguably the best player to ever don a K-State uniform. Yeah, I would agree with that. In my opinion. I would agree with that. I. It is hard to not look at 2023, especially with what we've seen. And and I love the Holy Trinity reference, but you're, you're right. I mean, this, at a minimum, this team could run it back if those players, you know, if, if we have key returnees come back and we get some good, good players in the portal. But you know what? We'll save that topic for the next episode. 
I want to talk about the wide receiver tight ends and, and finish up on the offensive side. So we had guys step up. Um, obviously Malik Knowles, he was hampered with an injury, which we of course wish him our best. We hope that he can play in the bowl game. Um, unless I've missed some news, I don't know if it's been announced, if he's able to play or not. Um, but Phil Brooks, he had, if you, if you listen to, if you listen to Malik Knowles on Instagram and you listen to Chris Kleiman doing coach speak for the sugar bowl presser, he's, he's good to go. Sick. I love it. Him and Echo, apparently. Him and Echo. He said okay. maybe it, he said if they were to play if they had to play this week, he wouldn't be him and Echo, but seeing how it's four weeks away, that they they'll be good to go. Good. Well, yeah. I you know, Malik Knowles is is someone who has grown in being in a K State uniform, and I would love to see him, you know, finish up his K State career playing against Alabama in the bowl game. Um, but uh yeah, so from the wide receiver position, and, and Philip Brooks had a good day. Cade Warner had five catches. Um, Senate was a, a little bit lacking in the catch department, but he did catch a touchdown, which is, of course, important. Um, and R.J. Garcia had a couple catches, obviously that key one that scored the touchdown, um, and he looked really good. You know, Colin Klein has really done a great job in, in working with these wide receivers and getting them some some good plays to get open in the game. I You know, I thought the the receiving unit had a strong showing despite, you know, only 199 total yards. Um, they did what they needed to do against the TCU defense. Would you agree? A hundred percent. You know, Phillip Brooks, uh, minus – the one elephant in the room, Philip Brooks had an excellent game. It just being s- steady. Cade Warner, he had a couple. I mean, they weren't his fault on the drops. They were a little high. But, you know, he had a decent game. He, he picked up some key first downs. And he almost made the catch of the game. If we're, if we're thinking about it, just circus-wise, that catch was almost – and. Some would argue that it was a catch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you know, he had a he had a decent game. And Malik Knowles, he's evolved to the point where I think we were so we can reflect back on Malik Knowles' career now because you, you, we kind of know where it's headed. Where this is probably his final go round. Maybe he, hopefully he plays in the Alabama game. But if not, we can reflect on Malik Knowles' career. He was always supposed to be that number one receiver where we thought he would be just have every route. He would run nines. He would be just like the quintessential, like like a Baylor receiver or a Oklahoma State receiver where they're just running nines and constantly 130 yards receiving off of eight catches. We he was never gonna be that. And he finally evolved this this season into and we, we kind of got away from it, but into the receiver where he's running the jet sweeps because he's so good with the ball in his hands. He's like a six, three running back basically. And he evolved into that playmaker down this final stretch where he's a weapon on the goal line with jet sweeps and he's explosive and he catches those curls and beats defenders. He was, we, maybe we were just so hamstrung on him being a typical number one receiver that, if he was just to do this, this is what we wanted. And I think he's evolved into that. And it's 
beautiful that he went out on top the way he did. Yeah, and and I remember Malik Knowles early on in his career, and he had some struggles with drops. You know, he was a he was a player that you know he he would have some some key drops in games, and although you knew his talent was there you know, his speed, you know, I remember a couple plays, obviously the Mississippi state kick return for the touchdown, which really, you know, put that game and and trended that in our direction or, you know, down in Austin. And I believe that was also 2019 where it was a a screen pass or a bubble pass and he just ran it. I mean, he has so much speed and the, the thing that I, you know, will always remember Malik Knowles for is, you know, he's given a lot of time for the K-State program. I believe he's been here since, what, 2018? Hey, he's a, he's yeah. a Snyder yeah. boy. Yeah. And he's given everything. And he's this has culminated into, I feel like this is his strongest season. And in a season where he looks like a, a big play guy that can do something on Sundays. And, you know, it just shows how he's developed at K-State. Um, and, and he's a player that we really will miss. Uh, you know, if he's not able to play in the Sugar Bowl, he'll be a huge loss. But, you know, for next year, not having him on, on the team will be, will be a loss for sure. I mean, All uh, right. can, can I touch on yeah. Ben Sennett? I mean, I mean, the weapon that he's become, he's going to be – it's kind of the theme of this podcast so far is kind of looking ahead to next season, you know, but like he's going to be absolutely, absolutely huge for us next year. And imagine the growth he's going to have, you know, he's just a, what is he a redshirt sophomore or a true sophomore? I'm not sure, but the growth he's going to have in between these seasons is going to be huge for us. And he, in this game, particularly, particularly he he had he obviously scored the touchdown which was a false start on him but you know you get those kind of things and the one the one other catch that he had he was gone if it wasn't for a shoe shoestring tackle he was gone for a touch another that's touch. right and then we would have probably been saying this was a ben senate game if we're being honest that's like, right you know, he, he's a versatile weapon and his blocking was kind of the thing that was holding him back from like maybe keeping Jacks on the field more than he should have been last year instead of Ben Sennett. But he he's evolved his bo- his blocking to a point where he's we're able to run plays where he's wham blocking and he's cutting defensive linemen down and smashing defensive ends. And he's evolved so much this season, and he was an absolute monster and led us in a lot of ways this those final three games to getting us to the Big 12 title. And, I, and Ben Sennett is a stud in my eyes. And it, it, he, first team all Big 12 was absolutely perfect for him this season. Yeah, uh, and thank you for bringing him up because he is a – he has been huge this season and he's also grown this season, um, you know, to a guy that we feel can make big catches. And, you know, he, he plays the part of a tight end with lateral speed um, and the capability to make big catches when needed. And, 
you know, the, the tight end position is one that through the years, even before Chris Kleiman, you know, K-State has leveraged the tight end position, but probably not as much as we should have been, especially with some of the talent that we, you know, had had. And this season, you know, I originally, you know, the one of the players who I thought was going to break out this season was going to be Sammy Wheeler, thinking from the tight end position, we're going to leverage these tight ends and, you know, put play calls together with two tight ends on the field and, you know, guys to be able to get, you know, an easy five, you know, 10 yards in the middle of the field. Ben Sinnott has shown that he can spread the field, he can make catches, and he's going to be one that I'm excited to see how he develops in the position in the offseason um, and how we're going to be able to leverage him and some of the other tight ends on 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 the team um, going into next season. So for sure. Yeah. I have to I have to eat my words on Ben Sinnott because if if people go back onto the archives of Cocaine Willie or even anything that I've ever said, at the beginning of the season, I was uh, for a loss of words on why we were splitting Ben Sinnott out wide. You know, why were we why were we putting Ben Sinnott out wide as a wide receiver? And it all kind of started in that LSU was it the LSU game last year where we were we were splitting him out wide, and yeah. I was totally lost, like. And it, and it kind of all came to a head in that two-lane game where we're not throwing the ball downfield, but we're wasting Ben Sennett out wide. And I, I have to eat my words on that because he's he's made me look like an absolute fool. Yeah, well, no. I, you know, I, <laughs> I, 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 I would agree with you just because, you know, the LSU, the LSU game last season, you know, was obviously Colin Klein's first game, you know, calling plays and – you know, he, he knows what he feels like is going to be best for this personnel. And uh, it's, it's been really good to see the offense develop and leverage the tight end position. And, and we're kind of obviously moving away from leveraging a fullback um, moving forward. And so, you know, seeing two tight ends out there, how they're blocking, how they're going out and running routes. Um, it's, it's definitely a, a position group that uh, we'll continue to keep an eye on moving forward. All right. On the defensive side, um, you know, the defense, <laughs> what can we say? I mean, at the end of the day, they made the key stop on that fourth down in overtime. They put it together, you know, through the game, they gave up yards in the air. They gave up yards on the ground. Um, but when they needed to make the play, they did it. They worked together and they did it. Um, I'll always remember that fourth down stop. I'll remember Chris Fowler yelling, no, you know, when the stop was made. Um, but just holistically from a defensive perspective, you know, uh, how do you think they, they did in this game? Man, you know, to be honest, you know, before that final drive, before the final drive where Duggan, I mean, turns into a superhero and just starts running. I mean, he, he, other than scrambling, he really didn't do anything that drive. It was he he turned into Superman and he could just run willingly. But other than that, we played excellent. You know, we called on Julius Brents to have to guard probably arguably the best receiver in the Big 12 and a first round draft pick arguably next year. Uh, in this coming NFL draft in Quentin Johnston. And he held his own. He, you know, you, 
I'd rather him give up those PIs and battle and hand fight and not let Quentin Johnson just do whatever he wants. So I, I, I respect those PIs. Those are PIs and I want him to do those because I want you to play physical. And if he doesn't play physical like that, he never gets that interception, that short, short thrown to, uh, Quentin Johnston in the end zone. He doesn't come up with the interception because he's scared to put his hands on it and look back for the ball. So Julius Brents, he gets a, he gets an A grade. I don't care how many yards Quentin Johnston gave up because those things happen. Elite players make elite plays. So he gets an A for me and everybody else. I mean, they played their hearts out. I mean, echo goes down and we put in freaking Keenan Garber. At corner, dude. Keenan Garber. Who I I heard rumors that he was on the defensive side, but you don't put him in the Big 12 championship game. He hasn't played all season. <laughs> and we put him yeah. in in the Big 12 championship game, and he holds his own. Jacob Parrish, stud. I mean, I could go on and on, but you know, realistically, like you said, the play of the game was made by the defense on fourth down. In an inch, and we shut down the running back that had absolutely murdered us in the first meeting. We shut him down, and Eli Huggins, and nobody's bringing this guy's name up, but I don't even want to say it. Damon Elilio, I don't can't even say his name. I'm gonna have to learn that one. You're close. I'm gonna have I to think. try to get that one down. Yeah, I mean Manhattan High product. And he comes in for one play, and it's that play. And he's, he absolutely kills their center and blows up the play with Eli Huggins and Daniel Green. That I mean, just, oh, God, like you said, looking at that play, I wish somebody would put that to Titanic music because that was it. That was the, that was the play. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, it was, it was one of those plays that really defines just how – how good the defense has been this season. And you brought up the secondary and, you know, the, the battle between Julius Brents and, and Quentin Johnston was, was very fun to watch. I know we gave up yards in that area, but Julius Brents made some, some big plays, especially with the interception and in the red zone. Um, you know, Josh Hayes was a guy you saw swarming across the field and, and the young guys that you brought up. I mean, the fact that I was seeing, you know, they brought up Keenan Garber's name out there. And I, I guess I hadn't been really paying attention to, you know, some of the message boards and whatnot. I had no idea that he was in, in the conversation to even be out there on the defensive side. And, you know, he came in and, and made some plays I love the young core that we're going to have in the secondary with VJ Payne, Jacob Parrish. Um, yeah, it's the, the defense is really the one thing that we, we said in the beginning of the season was that we knew this defense was good. And, you know, in most games this season, we've, we've done a really good job, especially in the second half of, of maintaining focus, Joe Klanderman making the right adjustments and putting our players in a position to keep the opposing offense out of the end zone. And I, it's, it's unfathomable to believe that, you know, we got this way, you know, we got here with players that are young freshmen, sophomores. Um, And it just shows that we have 
we have the talent. It's not just guys like Felix Anadike, Uzama and Daniel Green and, you know, Julius and Echo Boido and, you know, obviously Kobe Savage. You know, we have players in, in the freshman and sophomore years that they're going to be putting in a ton of time out there next year and, and playing in the Big 12 championship game. What kind of preparation? Is there any better preparation than playing in a big game like that? I don't think so. No, I mean – Think of the games that they're going to play. Like, Jake, I mean, Jacob Parrish has played all season. We knew coming into the season, once that first game happened, that his redshirt was never, never going to even be brought up. Jacob Parrish is a stud, but he, these next two games, he's going to be going undefeated TCU and then Alabama. I don't care how depleted Alabama is, whatever. We could talk about that later, but and everybody can come up here and give their two cents, but that's still Alabama. That's still four or five-star talent all the way down their roster. And that's just knowledge and uh, situations that they're putting themselves in that can only make them better. So, I mean, linebacker, Jake Clifton, true freshman, out there making plays on the uh, offensive player of the year in the Big 12 – Max Duggan, a Heisman finalist, he's making tackles in the backfield on him on scrambles. He's making plays. I mean, I forgot about him. My God. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's it's just deep. Austin Moore. I mean, these guys were making plays and it was just beautiful to see. Now we could talk about that final drive where I think we hadn't. I don't want to say we hadn't prepared because that's not true. Because we held him down because he, he tried to scramble and we were shutting the scramble down. But I think on that last drive, they were just going so fast. We were so tired. Contain just got lost. We thought they were going to try to throw it. And Max Duggan did it. He did what he had to do and he was running the ball. And it was it was frustrating to see. But like when you think back at it, I've watched the replay like four or five times. Like, man, when you got Robert Hintz basically trying to run down Max Duggan sideline to sideline. It's just not going to happen. So it hurt to see at the moment, but like, damn, what, knowing the outcome, it, it doesn't make me feel as bad. You know, uh, and I was going to talk about Max Duggan here in a little bit, but he had – that game had shades of what I remember Colin Klein doing in 2012, especially at the end, where – Duggan just kind of, he took, he took the game, he took the game in his own hands and made as the best plays that he could to try and get into the end zone. I mean, I, I even saw, you know, his arm, his arm was like bleeding and everything. I mean, it just reminded me so much of Colin Klein Uh, and his knee. I mean, yeah. Like Colin Klein, like you were saying, I mean, doesn't that game remind you of Texas A&M, like the four overtime game that, that is exactly you. That just flashed into my head as soon as you said that. That is so true. I mean, it just reminds you of that where he's just running for like going to the pylon. God, that is such a good, good description. Yeah, buddy. and and right about then, that was when I was like, shit, this guy is like, they're they're gonna beat us, and this guy is gonna get, you know, this is his Heisman Trophy game, and. I had a lot of negative mojo in my mind, uh, you know, especially with that last drive going on. But obviously the defense uh, 
kept that, uh, kept them out of the end zone and didn't have to worry about it. Um, before we talk special teams, um, and, and kind of put a bow on, on the game, I know we have some people in the live room. We would love to hear, you know, your thoughts. Um, feel free to, uh, request to speak. Um, we're going to talk about where were you at, you know, when the cats kicked the field goal, how are you feeling? Uh, but feel free to, uh, request and, uh, we'd love to hear from you. So the last part on this game is the special teams piece and, uh, it's hard not to start with Ty Zentner. Um, I'm smiling, thinking about him running on the field. He was just like, I mean, he was in the moment. He knew with that smile, he was kicking that field goal in. Like we knew. And, you know, the one field goal, the uh, field goal attempt he had, you know, for the championship, you put it right through the middle, you know, he was nine for nine on the season after being um, Chris Tennant's replacement. And for me, I feel like that move to make Ty Zentner the starter at the kicking position turned the tide of our expectation of what we needed from a field goal kicker. And it, it changed our season a little bit. Um, I, I don't know if you feel the same way, um, but I am just so proud of what Ty Zentner, you know, has been able to do coming in and, you know, as the kicker and the punter, it, it was right. It was right for him to kick that field goal and, I'll toot my own horn. I said the cats were going to win on a Ty Zentner game winning field goal on last week's show. You did say that you called it and I'm going to say this, you manifested it. So I, I congratulate you on the win and I'm proud of you. I'm, I really appreciate you doing that for us, but in all seriousness, we here on cocaine, Willie, we've been talking about Ty Zentner for a long time and we, we had, an episode where we said, do we want the trifecta? Do we want him doing all three? And if he, if he can do all three, is he, where, where does that put us? Because he, he is so solid. And we, we were questioning where was this at all season? Because Chris Tennant was, now that we look back at it, he was very shaky on every kick that he ever had, no matter what, no matter how it went in, it was always shaky. And Chris Tennant has – I haven't seen him hit a bad ball one time. Nine for nine, all right down the middle. 55 – did he hit a 55-yarder the other day? Was that – was it that deep? Was it 53? 53. 53. 53, I think. Yeah. I mean, he's hitting bombs straight down the middle, like good from 60. And right down the middle no no question about him where's where was that the entire season what were the coaches seeing and i obviously i can attribute it to them saying they don't want to wear his leg out but this is his final go round and obviously he probably should have been up for some awards it's kind of he got kind of got robbed but there if he wants to keep doing this i don't see any reason why he can't be on some some kind of pro team doing something because he is elite and I'm, I'm glad that he glad that he, he like, and I agree with you. He did turn our season around, especially our red zone woes. Like remember when Chris, uh, Chris Kleiman would go for those. We're at the, the 40 yard line or the 35 yard line. He would go for it fourth down and nine because we we didn't have a chance to kick a field goal and there's no point in putting like he could Chris Tennant will make those field goals. So I think 
It changed how we play offensive play call. It, it changed our season. I agree with you. And I agree with you, you know, with Ty and what he's able to do as a punter and what he's shown as a kicker. There is that there's got to be some potential for him to be able to play on Sundays. You know, a, a guy who can do both is that yeah, and do both well. Um that's got to give him some prospects if he wants to play. I honestly think that he's a better field goal kicker than he is a punter. No fit, uh, like no shade at his punting because his punting is legit too. He hits missiles and he's probably had, I think I listened to a podcast, an Oklahoma podcast, the Oklahoma uh, punter. He had the most uh, touchbacks from punting. I think he had nine, and Ty Zentner was second with like five. So I mean, and most of the most of the Big Twelve was like zero or one. So I mean, he he's loses a little bit of that touch towards the toward when he's punting inside like the ten or the or the twenty. But I mean, his field goal kicking, I mean, it just looks now. It kind of reminds me of uh, McCrane. Yeah, like yeah, <laughs> McCrane was so good at kicking field goals. But he he seems a little bit better, maybe even better. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, if he's a little bit better than McCrane, McCrane did get a few snaps in the NFL, you know, playing on Sundays. But um, I'm excited to see, you know, whether if Ty Zetner is uh, playing football um, moving forward, or you know, he seems like a guy who even could get into the coaching profession and and, and be a coach. He just see he's got a great personality um, and and. I'm excited to see what uh, what's to come for Ty Zetner for sure. Um, also from a special teams, you know, I I have to bring this up, but I, I think one of the big takeaways from the return game, you know, as you mentioned earlier, was the fumble that we had, um, you know, in the third quarter. It felt like we had the, the sack um, against Duggan and we had all the momentum going in that third quarter and the, the fumble, um, you know, the muff punt really killed the vibe a little bit for sure. Um, and, and TCU took advantage of that. They scored a touchdown. They knocked the lead, uh, the K-State lead down to four. Um, I was not feeling good after that play. That's for sure. Um, I, I just felt the tides returning at that point. Um, I don't know how, what your thoughts were there. Um, I was also hoping on that play that he would, uh, you know, had fair caught that ball. Um, I don't know. I, it's there's a lot to look back on there, but um, how are you feeling after? Not great. <laughs> I had to go outside, look into the look into the trees in the backyard, and just kind of stare into the sky for a little bit, and just get my thoughts together. I was uh, on the verge of emotion when he did that because I knew that was an absolute momentum changer. I mean, it wasn't early in the game it was it was i mean late in the third quarter and he muffs that and i'm like man that is all they needed because from watching it on tv i'm sure there were some people that were there that could probably justify this better but there it seemed like half of the stadium was loud and the other half was graveyard quiet and it was the TCU side that was really, really quiet because we were about to jump on them. And, you know, that that really hurt the momentum. But to Philip Brooks' credit, 
next next time he's on the field, he catches a pass for a first down and it just gets us moving. I think that was the drive at when he catches that pass after the muff, after they score, Deuce Vaughn does his run. So, yeah. I mean, he's a senior. He's been there, and I hope he comes back. That's another dude that I want to come back. Because if, if you could get a transfer receiver to fill Malik's spot, Phillip comes back for the slot, and R.J. Garcia fills in that Cade Warner spot? Yeah. That's absurd. I mean, god damn, that would be the move right there. And, I mean, you're for, we're forgetting about Jaden Jackson. We're for, forgetting about Sterling Lockett eventually going to come in and – you know, beat all of Tyler's records, right? You know, yeah, the, of course. the lockets keep coming. <laughs> they only get better. So, yeah. Exactly. They only get better. Um, well, yeah, I, I nothing necessarily else to add there. I mean, the last thing I want to talk about with this game and, um, you know, just we've been seeing on Twitter, you know, the reaction videos. We've been seeing people, uh, you know, on Saturday when they kick the field goal. Chef, I want to hear, like, where were you? What did you do when the field goal was kicked? What'd you say? I mean, give us your give us your reaction when the field goal went through. Uh, I posted it online under John John Kurtz had asked for people's reaction because my wife was filming me because I was an absolute lunatic that entire game. Just I couldn't sit down. I I was all over the place. But the I mean, they set it up. You know, they they ran the Wisconsin plays. That's what they call it, where they just kind of move it to the center of the field. They teed them up real nice and pretty. And Zentner's lined up for the field goal. And I'm listening to Chris Fowler standing there, standing at attention. And he kicks it right through the thing. I'm just like, I knew he was going to hit it right where it needed to go. I knew he wasn't going to miss it. I was concerned about the block. I was like, oh, if they block it, that would be worst case scenario because then they might run it back. I'm just thinking of all the bad things that could happen. And it doesn't get blocked, so I knew he made it. And I just jumped. And that's probably the highest I've jumped since, like, high school. And I jumped probably about four feet in the air. I looked like LeBron. And I, like, run around my kitchen. And I don't say anything. <laughs> yeah. I just just like put my hands over my head and it'll just walk just like slightly shuffle like the Olympic like speed walking. I did like an Olympic speed walk around the kitchen and I'm just like, we won. We did it. We we won the championship and it's the Big Twelve championship, I should say. But like man, I was I was that's where I was at. What were, what was your reaction? I'm uh. sure a fireball shot, like two fireball shots were like queued up because like you just downed them real fast you probably chewed the bottle <laughs> well it's funny so to kind of preface i uh so i was down in arkansas i was at a, a buddy's wedding who was getting married and uh and the wedding was at uh 4 30 we had to be there um and so the game going into overtime did not help from a timing perspective for me so i did not take a fireball shot directly after um, I, so I was at a bar, I was at a, at a bar with a couple buddies who were with me at the wedding. Um, and I'll give a shout out to uh, Tyler and Z. I gave them K-State stuff to wear. They're not K-State people. And they, uh, they wore it. They took shots every time I took a lot of fireball, but um, 
you know, I, I was a nervous wreck, especially at the end, which I tend to be. And, um, so I was just kind of sitting there and, uh, you know, we, during the game, we had a couple Arkansas people that were there that were kind of like, they were chiding and, you know, trying to give K-State, give me some shit, um, throughout the game. And, uh, so he kicked the field goal. I put my coat on, I walked outside and I just yelled cats in the parking lot because I just, I, I mean, I was excited, but, um, I didn't want to say anything to those fans. I just left and, uh, you know, I yelled and I listened to sandstorm on the way home and that's it. You know, <laughs> just sandstorming the whole way. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I would have obviously loved to be there, but I think for, for all of us, you know, we're going to remember where we were. Um, Russell. So my buddy Russell, I see has joined the live room and um, I've known Russell for a long time, unfortunately. Um, and we've gone to many, many cats games together, but uh, Russell, where were you watching this game? Uh, so I just, I can't help but think that like some person in Arkansas thought that you were a huge fan of Andrew Lloyd Webber when they heard you screaming. <laughs> um, I was, I was actually at my, my job, my, my second job, which thank God is at a record store. So you can like drink beer and be a degenerate. Um, and so I had been uh, freaking out customers all day by reacting to the goings on on my phone um, I was really fortunate that uh, nobody was there in the store at the very end because I, uh, yeah, similar to Matt, screamed like a madman, ran around, uh, generally made a fool of myself. And, um, you know, I was, I, I didn't grow up in a, a K-State household. My, my parents didn't go to college. Um, we were always like a, a pro sports family. Um, so I never got to experience like 03. I never got to experience like the, you know, the early 2000 seasons. We were super dominant. I mean, I was a, a super senior in 2012, and I was on the field, actually, for K-State Media um, during that game against UT, which was an incredible experience. But, but I will say, like, watching this, it, it just really reaffirmed, like, my love for this school, my, my gratitude. Um, so much about this team, I think, is, like, indicative of the values that I, I really hold dear about K-State. Um, one thing that I was super impressed with afterwards was Ty Zetner talking about, you know, how this was a win for the state of Kansas, how like, you know, he wanted this to be obvious, you know, he wanted it to be clear that kids from Kansas are going to get a shot here and they're, they're going to be able to excel. And I, I think that, you know, not only in the football context, but I think all of us benefited from our time there that went there. Um, so I don't know. I just, um, I, I really have been on cloud nine all week. Um, and then us, thankfully putting screws to Wichita state later that night, um, was, was very nice. I, I was a little nervous about that, but, uh, I don't know. Those are mostly the thoughts that I have. I, I think I'm rambling a little bit, but, um, yeah, it was a super cool experience. And with that being said, Matt, I love you. Um, I am sitting in my car right now cause I just got off of work and I like really need to go eat. So I am uh, going <laughs> to bounce, but I love you. I love the school. Go Cats, Emaw. Uh, fuck Alabama. And uh, I'm born and I will. I'm born a hater. I will die a hater. Uh, so I hope that Max Duggan doesn't uh, get the Heisman, <laughs> even though he. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> that is that's tough right there. <laughs> Mike uh, Rob, no. I hope he doesn't get anything. Just, just straight <laughs> hate. I love it. I don't. Agree. I mean, come on. As a as a fat little dipshit, how could I not want Stetson Bennett to? Oh my oh, god! God, if Stetson Bennett wins it, that is the most ugly Heisman ever. Could you imagine him on like one of those little commercials, like the? The Heisman House, like you got all these elite athletes from all over the years, and then you have Stetson Bennett just like walking in there. He looks like an accountant. Oh God, he's like I don't know, man. He's like a derpy little golden retriever. I don't know. (laughs) That's what I think of when I think of what is the. You know know what? I don't know if you've ever seen him without his helmet on, but he looks like. You saying derpy reminded me. Have you ever seen Harry Potter? Yeah. Yeah. You know, remember the little, I don't even know what he is, like, he's not, was his name, not Dopey. Oh, Dobby. 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 Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he reminds me of Dobby. Yeah, he does. Hate his little face. Oh, I, uh, yeah, I don't know. I can't believe that he was a finalist for the Heisman Trophy. Um, I just, I don't know. I, I can't believe it. Um. Yeah, well, uh, you know, from a, a Cats perspective, um, obviously that game, it was incredible. Um, we've talked through it a lot. I know Russell just bagged on Max Duggan for a second. Um, I'm kind of the opposite. I think he's a deserving Heisman Trophy finalist. I, you know, it's hard because I think Caleb Williams has had a really good season. Um, and the way that the Heisman trophy is gone the past few seasons, a lot of the recent games play way more um, into a factor. So I, it's hard for me to believe that Caleb Williams is probably going to win the Heisman um, over Max Duggan, but you know, thinking about TCU, they're going to be taking on Michigan in the college football playoff at the Fiesta bowl. You know, did this game chef make you think TCU will have a shot to beat Michigan in that Oh, man. Versus Michigan. I mean, I think I, I got two parts because I want to talk on the Heisman too because I've got questions about – I mean, it just depends on what the award is. But for your question that you just asked, do I think they have a chance against Michigan? I think they might have a puncher's chance, like if they can somehow like exploit matchups because I don't – Michigan saw Marvin Harrison Jr. And he had a decent game, but, I mean, nothing to write home about. So what would they do with Quentin Johnson? Uh, Max Duggan is a million times more uh, mobile than C.J. Stroud. So I think that will help play into their and, – and they just run different offenses. So I don't, I don't know. I think – I'm going to say that they have a puncher's chance, but I would heavily favor Michigan in that. Yeah, I would. But but I got a question to you about the Heisman because you brought up the Heisman just a second. What is the award? Is it most valuable player? Is it most just like not deserving isn't the uh, right word because statistically, statistically, Caleb Williams runs away with it, right? Or CJ Stroud runs away with it, passing efficiency, touchdowns on passing yardage on whatever, you know, and is it a quarterback award? Because there's different 
is there's different things like there's different criteria criteria Bijan robinson had a stellar season yeah but he's on an eight and four team so it does that play into it because if that's the case then maybe stetson bennett does deserve because they're undefeated he's the quarterback with the best numbers on that team on, on the number one team in the country what is the criteria for it because i just don't know if i were to vote i would vote max duggan he had he had an incredible game versus K-State both times, and he was undefeated until conference championship games. You know, I would vote Max Duggan, but that's just me. Yeah, I th- – this brings up a really good point because year after year, it – I mean, we haven't seen a defensive player win this since what? Was it Charles Woodson? Yeah, and, and I mean, they didn't even invite Will Anderson last year, and they invited – uh, what's the dude that Hutchinson. got drafted? Hutchinson from Michigan, and he like had half the sacks that Will Anderson had. On uh, <laughs> it's so yeah. wild to even think about. But like, will if, uh, if Will Anderson didn't win it last year, then a defensive player, a defensive lineman, definitely never going to win it. If Will Anderson didn't win it last year, yeah. So. It's going to have to be if a defensive backward, if a defensive player were to win it, he's going to have to have like three or four pick sixes, one in a huge game, and he has to strike the pose, and he has to have incredible amount of turnovers and impact on a game, and he probably has to play special teams too. Yeah, um, the, that's the, the only more, reason Charles Woodson won it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he wasn't, of course, just a, in the secondary. I mean, he was a uh, all over yeah, the place. Yeah, he played receiver um, too. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we'll never see that in college ever again. We'll never maybe see that. maybe Travis Hunter when he transfers to Colorado with Deion Sanders. Ooh, you know that's a good point. That's a good point. Um, you know, going back to your question, I what I wish it were is who is the player that made the most impact to their team in where, you know, whether they made it to the college football playoff, if they won a conference championship. Um, so that would mean, yes, that Stetson Bennett, Bennett would be on the list. But then you have to look statistically. I, I You have to look at, I mean, from a, from a quarterback perspective, total touchdowns, number of yards, total yards. Um, and so I – for me, I do not think of Stetson Bennett as one of the best quarterbacks in the nation, let alone players in college football. I don't. I mean, I think Caleb Williams Caleb Williams is an excellent quarterback, and I truly believe he's going to be a really good quarterback in the NFL. Um, he just has some of these intangibles that you watch him play. And f- last Friday, he got hurt in that game. Like, you could tell he got hurt. Um but in some of the games that you've seen him play this season, he's been electric. And so I understand if he were to win it, which it seems like he's going to, I'm not going to poo-poo that. Um, but I think of who's the player that really had to take the reins on the team to get to where they are. And it's Max Duggan. Max Duggan did it. I mean, Colin Klein did the same thing in 2012, 100%. You know, and he was at that. You know, he's Heisman Trophy finalist. And look who, um, and look who beat him, Johnny Manziel. Very similar yeah. to what Caleb Williams is. 
Exactly. I mean, it, that's really good. Like, <laughs> that's a good thing to think this about. Whole um, se- this so, whole season, if there was ever an argument for a simulation, this is it. You know, we're just seeing the same storylines over and over again. K-State wins the Big 12 championship going after going 9-3 and three and beating an undefeated team in the Big 12 championship game. K, uh, Max Duggan, arms bleeding. You know, the band – remember Colin Klein, that his Heisman thing was the Band-Aids that they sent out to all the Heisman voters. He's bleeding all over the place and gets second to Johnny Manziel, who had a flashy – flashy season beating Bama is the only reason he got in there and he was on a team that had like three or four losses and you know Caleb Williams has two losses and he's just had a flashy season it's it's just a simulation man we're just all it's it's <laughs> we're just living crazy. it we're just living in it 100 percent um that you know I just want to finish this off before talking about the sugar bowl a little bit I think TCU has a good shot. I do. Um, I My thought process on this has been they have found a way to make games close throughout the entire season. And I, I do believe in the fact that a team can come together and play against more difficult competition and find ways to win. K-State has had to do that years and years, you know, we've always had to do that. Michigan is a good team. Blake Corum being out hurts, but obviously Donovan, Donovan Williams or Donovan Edwards, I'm trying to remember his last name, um, had an incredible, incredible game against Ohio state. Um, I, I think TCU is going to have more than a puncher shot at this. Um, I would love to see it for the big 12. I believe in, Max Duggan, I believe in how Quentin Johnson's been playing and, and Kendra Miller had a great game against us and he's been good all season and the defense has been good. I mean, it's a good defense. So I, I am not going to put purple glasses on and thinking TC is going to beat Michigan. Okay. So but I think that you say that and you, you, you can, you can sell me, but you, we have a whole segment on here with, Bob's locks, fireball. Max <laughs> I know, locks. I know. They the number is seven and a half. He, they're seven and a half point dogs. Where's your money going? I would take TCU at seven and a half. Oh wow, I love that. Now I'd you sold TCU me. See now, now you sold me. I don't even have to think about it anymore. Because I think it's going to be a close game. I I truly do believe it's going to be a close game. I mean, we're gonna see. Yeah, you know. they'll play. <laughs> they're gonna yeah, play. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're gonna play. I uh, I think you uh, might be right though. I think Yeah. It just depends. Like you said, Donovan Edwards, he's a he's a hell of a back, and like you said, Coram's out, so will they be able to stop the run? And will they be able to establish the run? Because, you know, Michigan once they get at I mean, once they can pin their ears back. Um, they don't have the defensive ends like they had last year, but their secondary is pretty good and their internal pass rush is pretty, pretty solid. I don't think their defense is nearly as good as people say it is, but because, I mean, if you watch that Purdue game, they say they they say they say beat the hell out of Purdue, but realistically, I mean, they just were just deeper and just they just started 
beating them up like physically with the run and it just stretched the game out to where they had to take more risks and Purdue, but Purdue was throwing that ball all over them. I think he had like 450 yards passing. Oh, something insane. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I, I, you might've sold me. I mean, I might believe it a little bit more now because TCU gets healthy. Duggan is a little healthy. He keeps licking his fingers for girls on TikTok, and he might he might win that thing. What what would happen? What would the storyline be? Because I don't think we're going to get anybody up here to come talk, unfortunately. But what would the storyline be if TCU wins? What could Stephen A. say? Oh man, the Big Twelve or the Big Ten was soft this season. But that's not what they've been saying this entire time. I know. Like, where did they do the 180 at? I mean, they just, like, nobody (laughs) wants to watch the Big 12. That's a lie. The Big 12 doesn't play a hard schedule. That's a lie. I mean, and if TCU wins versus Michigan, like, and they're in the national championship game. I mean. Oh, my God. (laughs) <laughs> let's say oh, I love these hypotheticals I could do this all day Matt let's say we win versus Bama right we're Sugar Bowl champions we're Big 12 champions TCU wins versus Michigan they're in a national championship game let's just say for shits and giggles they win <laughs> we Ooh. beat the national championships <laughs> we beat the national champions uh, what, would, what would we be saying we I mean, could have been there. We could have been there. <laughs> yeah, we could. Well, okay. It's bad to think about, but the two lane loss really. Oh, I said that. Because... I said that after we beat. Who did I say we beat? After we beat Iowa State and we were 3 and 0. I think we were 3 and 0. Yeah, because we beat TC, Texas Tech and we were going into that TCU game. I, and we were undefeated in the Big 12. Only had the one loss to Tulane. Already beat Oklahoma. I said, is Tulane going to be the most regrettable loss of K-State history? And because because we, if we were undefeated at that point, maybe the momentum's a little bit different. Maybe, but maybe, maybe we needed that Tulane loss because it changed our offensive identity. If you would, I don't know. If you would have said at the beginning of the season that we would lose three games. TCU, Texas, and Tulane, and Texas was our worst loss of the season. Damn, (laughs) damn. I mean, (laughs) two of the two of the three, and if you would say two of the three teams made it to a New Year's Six Bowl, and the one was not Texas. That's insane. And let's be honest: if Caleb Williams sits out that game versus for USC. Or not sits out, but like he can't play, dude. Tulane's gonna win, and it- <laughs> yeah, I mean, Tulane, it's 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 unbelievable to me, and I like props to them, right? At the end of the day, Absolutely. that is a team this season that has obviously. I, I don't want to say obviously they've overachieved based off of what we thought that they were going to be, and even you know when we had somebody on the show, you know, we were previewing that two lane game. Like this is an incredible achievement for them. And I 
hope they show out for the Cotton Bowl because you know USC isn't necessarily going to do that. They lose the Pac-12 championship game, had a chance to go to the playoff. I mean, they're going to bring fans, but I hope Tulane rocks the Cotton Bowl. Um, that's a game I am I am very excited to see how they put it together for that one. But I would like to move into just some quick Sugar Bowl thoughts. As we know, we wanted Bama. We've always said, you know, I mean, maybe not always said, but we want Bama. I've always said We that. have Bama. I've always said that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so the number nine K state Wildcats, we're going to be playing number five, Alabama first time, first matchup, um, in school history for these two teams down in new Orleans, um, at the Superdome, it's going to be an 11 AM kick on new year's Eve. It's going to be a party down in new Orleans. I'm sure K state nation is going to show out, um, be drinking and tailgating by 6 AM. I know I probably will be how, I mean, Chef, you know, we could have had LSU, could have had Tennessee. Um, you know, we could have been, you know, if we, we could have been in the Alamo Bowl playing Washington. Um, how happy are you about this matchup with Alabama? Well, I don't think there was ever a shot of us not being in. And once we made the conference championship game and where TCU was, I think we were always locked for the Sugar Bowl, no matter what. But, Now, like you said, we could have had Tennessee or if LSU would have won, we could have been we could have been playing LSU. And that would have been an absolute snoozer already already beat them. They're old news. Been there, done that. And Tennessee without Hendon Hooker just wasn't as exciting. But Bama. Now we're going to have a ton of they, they have lost a ton to the portal. And they'll probably have a shit ton of people sitting out, but it's still Bama. You know, it's still that logo. And like I heard somebody say, like 10 years from now or however long, it you'll never know who was sitting out that game. It'll just say we beat Bama. And I will always remember that. So I'm looking forward to this game. They've got hella talent and it'll be fun to watch them. I mean, that's just how they how the teams look in that big ass stadium this what do they call it the Caesars Palace Mercedes Benz Dome is that what it's, it's called it's called the Caesars Super Dome Superdome now the Caesars Superdome just how teams look out on that field and how they shoot it it'll be a day game not that it matters cuz it's in a dome but it's just it's just a beautiful look. We're gonna. Are, are we wearing purple or are we wearing white? Because we're the lower ranked team. We're wearing white. No. So the Big Twelve this season wears uh, their home colors for this game. Oh, you're kidding me! Oh, that is dirty. We're in our purple versus Bama, and they're sto- they're going to be wearing just the maroon top with the stormtrooper look. That is going to be saucy. It's just going to look good. It's going to be a lot of. If we win, I mean, my gift game is just going to be out of control. I'm going to have a million gifts of us doing whatever we want to Bama. It's going to be fun. I'm just excited. And I've got my dad's side of the family is from Alabama, so I'm going to be talking a lot of shit. It's it's a lot of fun. Um, Boys, I didn't know we could just jump up here. Yeah. yeah get in there, Dallas. Like a, I, was waiting for, I was waiting for permission, y'all. No, hey, I'm at the uh, I'm at the gym in Junction City, Kansas, right now. So if it's a little loud, I'll piss off. Just let me know. But 
man, Alabama, I cannot wait. I have been waiting for this game for a long time. Matt, were you on the were you on Boss Hill Boys live chat? I was, yeah, I was. I wasn't, I missed it. Yeah, so you heard my take on that. <laughs> well, Matt heard my take on that. It is, I don't really care how many players are sitting out. I don't really care how many players go to the portal for Alabama. The gap between Alabama's of the world and Georgia's of the world and K-State's of the world has never been thinner. And I thought, I think, I think, I don't know, I thought we stood a pretty good chance of beating them with everybody, let alone with all the departures they're looking at right now. So, Yeah, I heard you say that earlier. And, um, you know, I before I talk really quick, and we were talking about uniforms, I wish during bowl season, bowls would be more open to letting both teams wear their home colors and get us some good color-on-color matchups. That would be a massive color versus- rush right Ugh. I don't know. I, I, I love that shit. I eat that up, but um, yeah, I, you know, Alabama at chef, you said it perfectly. When we think about this game 10 years from now, and if K-State pulls out a victory, nobody's going to give a shit if Bryce Young didn't play or Will Anderson didn't play or whoever didn't play, it's going to just show the score. And I, I, I believe it. Yes. It's going to help us that they aren't playing, but I think our team has some potential from a matchup perspective. You know, Bryce Young would get yards on us and Willie Anderson would find a way to, you know, tackle Deuce Vaughn. But Alabama had some shortcomings this season, especially against teams. You know, they were playing down to some teams, you know, in the SEC. And I think this game, no matter what, if it was full strength to full strength, it wouldn't be, you know, people would think it would be an Alabama thrashing. I don't think so. I Did think Alabama it would be a close game. Spread more than one or two times this year? It would be tough to um, say that they covered it. I mean, they had, like, they had two losses, and then they played A&M to single digits. They played LSU. They lost to LSU. They, they, who did they play to single digits? Um, they played a couple teams. I guess they, they play like three fucking. They they play four non-con games and three of them. Are- yeah, and a couple of those didn't even have spreads because they were FCS teams. So, like against the spread, I I reason to say they were definitely on the minus side of against the spread. But and that was the funny thing, like when. Nick Saban was going around making the rounds for why they should be in the college football playoff. He brings up like, Oh, who who would we not be favored against of all the teams that are even in consideration for the, the college football playoff. And I'm like, dude, you haven't even covered a spread like half the time. So why are you bringing that up? You've lost two games that you were heavily favored in. And you fucking Texas A&M was doo doo. And you didn't cover the spread against them. Alabama covered the spread. They went five and five this season against the spread. They covered against Auburn, Mississippi State, Arkansas, Vanderbilt, and Louisiana Monroe. Okay, one or two was a bit of an. Ex- no, it's okay. No, I mean, I that's mean, rude. I, like if I were to think about it, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have guessed that they've done it more than three times. Yeah, I wouldn't have guessed that either. Now it makes me interested about K State. K State, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Are you guys Wits. going to the game? Um, I am going to the game. I'm not. 
Bummer. I'll yeah. be face. I'll be face. I'll be FaceTime and chef. Uh, if you fa- the whole game. I, if you FaceTime <laughs> me during the game, dude, I'll lose my mind. I'll I'll screen record the whole thing. <laughs> I'll remember that. Um, Got to see how good the the Superdome's wide. Yeah, uh, if it's anything like those big stadiums, there's no way I'm going to be able to do anything in there. Um, Dude, I'm I'm literally trying to figure out where. I mean, Deuce is going to play. That let's let's talk about that aspect of it because we know Deuce is going to play. Mm-hmm. Cooper BB's going to play. Everybody's going to play. The only real holdup that I'm concerned about is Felix. Yeah. Do we think Felix plays? I don't know if I'm ex- I don't know, man. Felix was falling at the Big 12 tournament. Yeah, he was think- crying his ass off. Yeah, I don't think he's got I think he really And let's be realistic. Like some mock drafts have him in the first round. I mean, the consensus is that he would be a fringe first rounder. So, let's say he's a fringe first rounder. He's not He's not one of these guys that is a top three pick where you're losing twenty million dollars if you get hurt. He's a fringe first rounder. Do you think his agent? Oh, I think he. I don't think it's his agent that, and he's represented by the Lockets. I'm pretty sure he's part of that little thing where his agent is like in the little Locket representation group that they're all part of. Um, a lot of K State players are represented by them, and. If he's a junior, he's had a really good career at K-State. But for him, his it's very similar to um, Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett, I mean, he was the first overall pick, and he didn't need to play. But just for him to be out there shows a lot. And I think that would prove a lot, especially going against Bama, like putting on your talents against the team, the quintessential team in college and talent, if he balls out versus Bama, I mean, that could that would boost it more than anything else could because he's a he's an underclassman, so he's not going to be able to go to a, a senior bowl or anything like that. It's really just him sitting out to prepare for pro days to show how fast he runs. And I don't to be honest, I don't know how fast he's gonna run. I don't think he Another even fa- run. Another factor in his kind of decision is he's been pretty banged up all season, hasn't he? Yeah. And do yeah. you think anything's going to be lingering enough through bowl preparation? And yeah, but I mean, he's got four weeks to heal up for this game. So I mean, whatever he has, this is the most rested he's going to be all season. So if he if he needs another, if he needs four weeks plus, however long until pro days come. He must be really, really hurt, and I don't think. Yeah, four, for, well, those lingering things though. Four weeks is a lot, but do you think it's going to be enough to make him feel? I don't know if he's at the level where, if I don't think it's at the level where the risk is not worth the reward. He's not like Bryce Young. Bryce Young's a consensus like top three pick. If Bryce Young were to play against K State for in a meaningless, let's say finger air quotes, meaningless game versus K-State where he has nothing left to prove, then, yeah, him getting hurt of him blowing a knee out versus K-State could cost him $20 million. 
but Ke- Felix and Yudike Uzama is not at a, he he maybe potentially at, at his best is a low first round draft pick in my opinion from what I've seen of all the mock drafts. Uh, so I don't see a world where like him having a lingering lingering issue injury is gonna keep him from being a top five pick. I don't think that's it. I don't think that's a world we're living in right now. I uh, so I will preface with this: whatever decision he makes, I'm fine with because I see I see both sides. If he wants to play, if he decides to play, he wants to play one last game. You know, with with his boys, I I get that. I would love to see it. If he opts out, I do not blame him one bit because as a whole, he has he's given everything this season. I understand a want to start the process of, you know, getting ready for the draft. Um, I would imagine he's someone that would get invited to the combine and 2023, the drafts in Kansas city. Like I, I totally, you know, understand him, you know, technically he could come back. I don't foresee him coming back. Um, you know, uh, so I hope he plays. Cause I would love to see him out there against, you know, an Alabama, Alabama offensive line, which is going to have shades. It's going to be shades of the Texas game a little bit because Alabama is going to have guys that are bigger. And I mean, and air quotes stronger, but you know, they're going to have bigger dudes down there in the offensive line, defensive line, et cetera. Um, I think it would have been like the Texas game. If they would have kept their main players in, man, I don't think it's going to be fucking close. I think we're going to, wipe the floor with them. All their dropouts, all their people sitting out, all the people joining the joining the uh, the transfer portal. Man, I-, I mean, I I also have to think of it like we all know this is Alabama, and they they You're obviously. Right. But you I know, think I think this is gonna I think this is gonna be shades of the LSU bowl game last year, way more than it's gonna be shades of Texas first them this year. I think I think it's going to be a mix of both because the LSU game we they didn't have a fucking quarterback you know like the LSU game had a lot of the stars aligning for us because they had key opt outs they still had some good players playing but like offensively they couldn't do anything um, uh, Alabama will obviously have a better starting quarterback you know than LSU but they still have dudes they still have talent you know even if they're sitting and now there's their time to shine like you're in the sugar bowl you're in a big game you know like New Year's Six Bowl um I I definitely think we're gonna match up well but there's gonna be some shades where we know we're playing against Alabama and their talent and to be able to get Alabama tape, you know, for, you know, the NFL draft or, you know, for two years from now, um, I think it's going to be important for the players if they have the capability. To- I mean, I, I, where I stand on it is, I mean, he's proved, he's proven that he is a commodity and I don't think put, it's it's so weird because I mean we're not in the locker room we're not we're not with these kids twenty four seven but I don't think a kid like Felix Anudike Uzama goes into a game like oh I better not get hurt here I don't think he thinks about getting hurt I think he's thinking about playing ball so I mean it have it would have like 
like you guys said earlier, it would have to come from an agent or an advisor be like, Hey, is it worth it? But I don't think from his point of view, I don't think there's ever a doubt that he would play this game. It's going to be, have to come from somebody else. I think the, uh, I, I think you're right. I think he's thinking about playing ball, making plays, but I think this game is going to be reminiscent of the LSU bowl game. I just think both sides are going to score more points. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a good point. I mean, thinking about it and, and I want to get everybody's, um, you know, kind of thought on maybe an early prediction for this game. Um, you know, chef, do you think we're going to win? Like, uh, you know, if you look at what we're seeing right now, um, you think we're going to win? I think, yeah. I mean, the spread right now is three and a half. Um, it's opened at what, four and a half, you know, mm-hmm. there, there are just some decisions looming on their end. And I think it would be a very competitive game with, with them, um, without their holdouts, like, uh, Dallas said earlier. Uh, but without their holdouts, I don't see, and especially their quarterback situation. And I listened all today, I listened to about every Alabama podcast that I could find, and they're and it's kind of along the same lines where they're like, the the portal's killing us. They can't get their kids all in a line to to. They're they're worried about the O line even being able to field a team. I mean, it's it's so wild to even think about because I mean they had three freshmen portal out and a starting offensive lineman portal out. They and. Let's not let's not forget about this. They've got coordinator issues where they're. I mean, they might fire both their coordinators before this this game even happens. So <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's wild down at Tuscaloosa right now. And uh, you know, if it, if it goes down like that, so be it. And I think we'd cruise if that happens. Great day. To- it's a great day to be a cat. Will, I saw uh, you joined here. I didn't know if you had any thoughts on the Sugar Bowl, maybe a, a first, you know, maybe early prediction on your end. If you're able to chat. Okay. Can you hear me? Yeah. Sorry, my phone was locked, so it took me a second to pull it back up and everything. I, You know, I don't know. Um, I think it's very exciting just when you go to Fiesta Bowl, Sugar Bowl, or anything, regardless of the opponent. And Alabama is an exciting opponent. You know, if this was the Chick-fil-A kickoff bowl, it'd be fun to play Alabama. Um, You know, we've played a lot of those teams that people consider a blue blood or a top-tier team in the last few years, whether it's Michigan or I I think a lot of people put LSU up there. And we've done pretty well against them. Um, So I'm hoping it's the same thing. And, um I was very confident going to the championship game that we would win. I'm not quite as confident, but I'm pretty confident we're going to win this game too. I love it. You're more confident that we were going to win the Big 12 championship than we are this game? Uh, yeah, I was 100% sure we were going to win that. Now, during the game, <laughs> I immediately <laughs> and when we were down. But no, going into it, I was telling my wife, I was like, we're winning. Like I knew we were going to win that game. Um, I was almost more nervous going into the KU game just because I, what, I don't know. There's just something about it. Once we, we made it and the way we beat KU, I was like, yeah, we're going to win that game. This game against Alabama. Is it my phone? That, oh, no. Yeah, I think. No, it's all good. Yeah, I, 
I also feel good about this, um, especially with some of these opt-outs that Alabama would have. But I do think it still would be a competitive game um, at this point. I I think it's going to be close. You know, do I dare predict a Ty Zetner game-winning field goal? I don't know yet, but maybe on the show the week before, you know, we'll uh, we'll have our actual predictions. But for sure, it's going to be an exciting matchup down in New Orleans. And uh, again, you know, we'll have uh, the K-State family traveling down there or watching across the globe. So um, before we get to guys talking ball, I do it is ritual we have to go through and talk bob's locks bob's not here but i have to give bob a lot of credit he went four for five last week he hit utsa he hit utah he hit the cats he hit tulane he missed lsu which i mean i georgia just kicked their ass i mean it was close though no he almost hit that it was 17 and a half they only beat him by 20 by t- yeah, by 20. So it was close. Like, yeah, don't get me wrong. Um, but Bob Trollsby, the commish, I know you'll listen to this tomorrow. I salute you. I give you credit for the last week of the season. You had your best week of the year. Good for you. Matt's locks, I'm not talking about because they were shit. So, <laughs> you know, I lost everything. Um, and thankfully, Arkansas does not allow sports betting or I would have lost a lot more. So um, we don't have any locks this week. We will have locks as we get into bowl season, of course, um, which will be starting up here in um, a few short weeks. I mean, you don't want to do you don't want to do a lock for the Army Navy game. Oh, shit. Do I want to do a lock for the Army Navy game? Um, Let's I have go, to. Scott I don't even... go. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. Don't. <laughs> Don't so Navy's that. a Navy's a two and a half point favorite, um, but they went. For- I don't pay. T- I don't pay attention to them. I was a former. I'm a, I'm a Marine, so I have to root for those fuckers, even though they beat. <laughs> no worries. Uh, you know what? I don't know if I can provide an accurate um, an accurate lock for that, but I will say. Um, I always love watching the Army Navy game every year. Um, I know it's the only game um, that's on this Saturday, but um, it's always a fun one. It's out in Philadelphia. It should be a great environment. Um, I guess go Army because of Fort Riley. Yeah, I mean, uh, as an Army brat, both my parents were in the Army, and I grew up at uh, Fort Riley. I was, you know, Morris Hill Elementary. Shout out to Morris Hill Elementary. Uh you know, I'm going for Army. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the Army line here. Let's do it. It'll be a fun one to watch, that's for sure. It always is every year. All right. Um, so last part, of course, we want to do some guys talking ball. And we have already talked a little bit about it, but we do want to get a little bit more in-depth into bowl season, which – is in many ways great opportunity for conferences to see who, um, you know, who's the best conference, who, um, you know, who's playing who better. Hopefully it's going to be the Big 12 this season, but there are some really exciting matchups um, in the bowl season, even outside of the New Year's Six Bowls. You know, first impressions for anybody um, in the room. I mean, are there bowl, are there games that you're, excited about excited to watch um anything kind of sticking out here um with regards to the yeah i mean i've got one 
Um, and, and it's absolutely sicko mode of me to even think about this. I know game. what you're gonna say. It's a one point. It's a one point line. Iowa, Iowa Kentucky. versus Kentucky. <laughs> I mean, third string quarterback for Iowa, second string quarterback for Kentucky. Both offenses are below rank below 100 in the country and two top 15 defenses. This game might not have a score unless it comes from the defensive end. And it's straight sicko mode for me to even, I I'm excited to watch it because it's going to be so laughable. Just in the, the over unders, what like third, I mean, there's army Navy game is two triple option teams and the over under is 32 and a half. The over-under in the Kentucky-Iowa game is 31 and a half. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's absurd. Dude, I have some bad news for you. Iowa-Kentucky kicks at noon on New Year's Eve. Ah! You're going <laughs> to have to DVR that. that. No. <laughs> just, just do what I, we all do. Put, put all your TVs in the same room and hook one up to the computer, one up to the Xbox. and I'll, I'll tell you what. I I could probably just wait until it comes on, like you know how they do like the um the the condensed version of a game. It'll literally be just like twenty three points <laughs> yeah. on the 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 broken down game. That would be helpful. whoever wins the field position battle on the punts, and then whoever like there there's going to be just some terrible defensive miscue, and that's going to be how one of those teams wins. Um, yeah, I, Iowa, I, Iowa had so much potential going into this season and they really like, I don't understand. I just don't get, I don't understand Iowa as a state and as a football program. And they still almost won the whatever division of the big Ten. Uh, I mean, that just says, yeah, are they leaders? They are. They, I don't, none of those. They're the losers. (laughs) The losers division. Oh, God. Well, they got rid of leaders and legends, but I just like making fun of that. Um, (laughs) I've got a few interesting bowl matchups for you. One of the best things about bowl matchup season is new matchups. And surprisingly, there's quite a few, even though college football has been played since 1869. Um, Obviously, not everyone played since then, but uh, TCU Michigan Fiesta Bowl. First time, Alabama K-State. First time, Utah Penn State in the Rose Bowl. North Carolina, Oregon in the Holiday Bowl. Missouri Wake Forest in the Gasparilla Bowl. LSU Purdue in the Citrus Bowl. Wisconsin, Oklahoma State in the Guaranteed Rate Bowl. And Florida, Oregon State in the Vegas Bowl. And that's only P5. But some of those I'm a little surprised about, especially like Wisconsin, Oklahoma State. Um, and, you know, Utah Penn State makes sense because the Utah joined late, but a few of those like TCU, Michigan, Alabama, K State, just with how regional college football was, those aren't too far from each other. So I'm a little surprised about those. We got some bulligami going. No joke. Um, that was great, and you know, uh, you mentioned one Wisconsin, Oklahoma State. That's going to be one that I'm interested in only because will Oklahoma State have enough players to field after? A lot of their team has been transferring out thus far. I say that in jest, but um, that that will be interesting. Also, you know, with just Wisconsin and what's been going on there. I have a question that I just – it might be ignorant to me. I'm just not sure. But why do – like Spencer Sanders, guys like that, players that 
leave before they have bowl games going on? Why do they do it? Why not? Well, I here's my opinion on it. The way that it's set up with the transfer portal to, you know, how it opens, um, you know, on this Monday, these are, you know, the players, they want to get out there. Like, if they know that they're not going to come back to, you know, Spencer Sanders knows he's not coming back to Oklahoma State. There's no point in going through the entire bowl process and, you know, all these practices and whatnot when all these other quarterbacks that are playing on transferring out are going to get ahead of you in the portal. Um, how, do you, how do you get ahead of somebody in the portal, though, other than it's, it's you're not going to be able to go until a team picks you up next year, right? Well, or, you can get – you there. No, they have a portal window now, so it's only a 45-day window where you can jump in, and the next one isn't until spring of next year. So, or after spring practice of next year. So, you have to get into this portal in this 45-day. I think that's what Matt's talking about, getting ahead of somebody. So, if you get into the – Yeah, if you get into the portal now, you can get onto a roster – after these 45 days, I think you could sign for the next semester or mm-hmm. whatever. And then you can be on the roster to go through winter con- or yeah, winter conditioning and spring ball. So you have to get in kind of now. So everybody's jumping in now to get onto a roster for spring. So if you don't get in now, uh, you have to wait, leave a team basically, but you can't sign with the team until after spring. And that sets you so far behind, especially as a quarterback. Yeah, and you brought up Spencer Sanders, and I was just thinking about this. Does Duggan graduate? Is this his last year? I wonder. I think he can come back for one more year. I think he has his COVID year. Because when I – okay. Because when I saw Spencer Sanders put in, you know, he's going through the portal, I'm like, TCU is going to pick him up. He's a TCU. He's he's from Denton. Like, he's from from the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Like – I was like, shit, Spencer Sanders is going to be in the Big 12. We'll see where he goes. I, I mean, yeah, I don't know. The The dominoes are going to fall eventually because, I mean, it's, let's say Duggan does come back. Chandler Morris is gone. Yeah, yeah, right? Chandler Morris. Would, why would why would he? He would do – I mean, he beat Duggan out the first year. There's not going to be a competition after Duggan was just a Heisman finalist. This is his team again. Um, but – I got one more bowl, one more bowl. I don't know if that's how yeah. that's the transfer portal got brought up, and it's um, the Barstool Sports Bowl. I just want to see the charade that they're going to have. That mm. I know Barstool is going to do something absolutely insane with their bowl game. So what day that is that? Because I can my... absolutely not wait for this bowl. What, what, when is that? When... Uh, I'm looking it up you... right now. I'm trying yeah, to find it. I oh. just had it. Friday, December 30th, Ohio yeah. and Wyoming. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Oh, Ohio's a one-point favorite in that, by the way. <laughs> Are you rooting wow. for them? Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, you bought that. Right, well, let her, my let her buck, I guess. Mama. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, a, a bull matchup. We, you know, we will have the orangiest orange bowl on record, Tennessee and Clemson, which should be a fun one. Yeah. 
Will was bringing up the the creamsicles for uh, Tennessee, and you had brought up the color rush. Could you imagine if they did a orange versus orange color rush? Oh God, I wouldn't. I could not imagine being that a player and having to no out that situation. I think Clemson yeah. would probably wear their purple though. Ah, uh, that would be cool. You always, we always, I always forget that Clemson yeah. has purple, and those look good too. That's like a. I mean, I love yeah. their purple. They don't wear yeah. them enough. Um, not enough purple pants. Yeah, not enough purple pants. Um, from a Big Twelve perspective, probably the big surprise for me was how Oklahoma ended up in the Cheez It Bowl. Um, they're going to be playing Florida state, which should be a really actually a, a good matchup. Um, I believe that is a, they played in 2000, right. For the national championship. I think they, yeah, I think they played more recently than that. And like Oklahoma they, absolutely slaughtered them. Yes. Yes. I do remember recently they have, um, but, uh, how Oklahoma ended up, uh, in the cheese it bowl. I won't understand other than it's Oklahoma. I think after like the, after like after the Alamo bowl, they don't go with stands standings anymore. I think they kind of just like, like dick around or with them and just like kind of draw straws or something. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that Oklahoma fan base watching that six and six uh, team this season is really going to want to travel out to Orlando to watch an ass whooping, but you know, you never know. You never know. Um, and then at least I would, oh yeah. How, no, no, go ahead. I was going to say, how did you guys get onto the portal talk? Cause I mean, I, 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 I was, I kind of want, I was basically just asking why I, it was a question of ignorance for me. I, I didn't know why people, why were players leaving before their bowl games? Like they can't go there that year. So you guys. Oh yeah. I mean, and if we, I'll let Matt finish what his question was, but I kind of want to talk about like what we're expecting from the portal from Kansas state's perspective, not for next year, but like who on this team could you see? And I mean, we were kind of in emergency mode in the, in the text group a little bit, Um, me and Bob, but I mean, I would kind of like to hear what everybody else thinks too. No. Yeah. I I mean, I wanted to just kind of end the bull talk talking about the college football playoff. And um, I know, uh, we talked about TCU earlier um, against Michigan. Obviously, the other one is going to be Georgia and Ohio State, um, which I I don't know how I feel about that one. I also I think Georgia could easily run away with that one. But if Ohio State plays to the level that we think they could, that could end up being a lot closer. Um, but I was was curious on your all's thoughts on on how do you think the college football playoff is going to shake out, and who do you think is eventually going to going to be the yeah, I think it's it's really Georgia's to lose. Um, they're, they're obviously Stetson Bennett is very, very. I mean, he's beyond serviceable, but Brock Bowers, he's probably one of the best tight ends I've seen in a long, long time. And their defense is all right. I mean, this is probably the one season where we have two undefeateds, but nobody's really separated themselves like the elite team like Georgia last year was the elite team. Alabama was really good and beat them in the sec championship game, but you still walked away from that game. Like Georgia's the best team mm-hmm. and they had the best defense. So this year, I, 
I can't honestly say that there's one team that's better than everybody. I mean, it's just so evenly distributed. Mm-hmm. Even Alabama, ha- as bad as as bad as their they've been going ten and two, you know, they still had a chance. They finished fifth in the playoff committee, so you know they had a chance to get in there, and they probably would have raised some hell. Uh, they've lost two games by a total of four points. Mind you, they're not beating anybody like terribly bad, but you know, they lost by four points for, in their two games. So they're a really good team. TCU's a really good team. Michigan's a good team. Ohio State was number one for a lot of the season, but their defense kind of disappointed them versus Michigan. And if if you take that anomaly away. They're probably one of the best teams in the country. Yeah. It's so wild. I yeah, I, I would agree that I think it's Georgia's to lose. I think Ohio State will put up a good fight for sure because they have the athletes to do it. They have the talent to do it. Um, you know, is the Michigan game just a one off or does it say they're not at that upper echelon of teams? I, I can't answer that, but I I would say, at least from a, a matchup perspective, I like these matchups versus what could have been, meaning Georgia versus TCU and a Michigan-Ohio State replay or rematch. Um, I think Georgia's going to win it all. I do. I hate saying that. I would rather have a new national champion, you know, one of the other three. Um, maybe not even Ohio state, but obviously, you know, one of them has to make the the final, but, um, I hashtag anybody, but Georgia, I'll say this, uh, man, they've got four weeks, basically three and a half weeks to prepare for their first round game where Michigan and Ohio state have the advantages in the, in this playoff situations, you're kind of. Um, I kind of remember hearing Climate talk about like how they deal with the playoffs when they were in FCS is that you're scouting, especially for that first round game, you're scouting two games in advance or a game that game you're playing and the game next, potentially who you could be playing. So scouting for Ohio State would be a lot easier for Michigan because they've already played them. They know what they're going to do. Georgia would have to scout for Ohio State, TCU, and Michigan. They have to do all that within that first week because you don't want to be behind the eight ball with one week to prepare for your next national championship game. So they're getting practice reps on all their on the, all their stuff that they're doing. So Ohio State has an advantage because they've already scouted in Michigan. Yeah. And they would really only have to scout TCU and Georgia. And but they're going to get a lot of work into Georgia for four weeks, and this is where the coaching staffs really, really shine because you have three three full weeks to prepare for a game, and that's where a lot of the coaching staff shine. So, Sonny Dykes, I'm sorry, but you're the lowest on the total. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, we'll see. <laughs> Dallas, did you have something? I'm in the locker room right now at the gym, and the music's really loud. I'll get back to you. No, you're good. You're good. Um, well, yeah, I mean, from a, from a college football playoff perspective, as we get closer, um, I'm sure we'll do um, some final predictions of that. But, um, Chef, you mentioned the transfer portal, and, um, you know, the it's 
obviously been um, something we've been paying attention to on Twitter and whatnot and the message boards um, since the portal opened up on Monday morning. Um, we've seen 5K State players um, in total for this week um, that have um, announced their intentions uh, to transfer out of K-State. Sounds like one player, Crew Jackson, has already um, committed to Arizona State, I believe was what I saw. Um, and that's great for him. Um, and, you know, hopefully he uh, moves on, has a great career um, at Arizona State. But, um, you know, I the transfer portal always makes me nervous. I'm sure it, it makes you nervous, Chef, just because you never know, um, you know, what kind of player, you know, might leave K-State or who might come in. Um, so the next, uh, the next month's going to be very interesting. Yeah. I'm, you know, you kind of just sit back and you just hope that it, you're not hit by it too hard, but a lot of the times, I mean, the cream of the crop really leaves from these big time programs and the key players leave from these big time programs for, you know, the NIL has something to do with it. Playing time has something to do with it. But, you know, at K-State, I think our NIL, they compensate the kids at our level just enough. Uh, we're not seeing the reports of, like, guys wanting $5 million and stuff like that. I mean, that's just absurd. Um, so the guys like TJ Smith, you know, he's a he's a seasoned veteran at K-State. But, you know, ever since his injury, he's just never been the same. So I think coaches have had talks with like TJ Smith, never been the same. Maybe it's time for you to go to somewhere else where you can see the field at a lower level. Connor, uh, what was the other guy? Fox. Yeah, Connor Fox. Uh, Connor Fox. He he got hurt. He didn't even get an invite to camp this year. That's how banged up he was and how little they saw him, envisioned him playing. So he didn't even get a camp. Uh, a camp invite at fall camp. So I'm not surprised to see that. Um, Crew Jackson, proud of him. He, I'll always remember him with the the interception in the game at Oklahoma State. I mean, he could never put on the weight. So he was always a, mo- a, pro- a project for us. And the project just never panned out over the last two years. Yeah. So I could see why he moved on. Who was the other kid? Gainus earlier in the was a Gainus way earlier. Is yeah, that guy Kamari. So, um, yeah, yeah. He was never really part of the team, so that that makes sense. But you know, guys like that, I could I understand leaving now. If we were losing RJ Garcia's and uh, true freshman offensive linemen and Jake Clifton type of players, I'd be concerned. But I don't see that happening. Uh, seems like the locker room's in a good place. And I don't see a lot of our kids uh, because of the pedigree that they have demanding a lot in the NIL game. So I just don't see us getting poached. I think that's a new term that's getting used in uh transfer portal NIL world, poaching players, which is so wild, but I don't see that happening to K-State. So I'm not, too crazily concerned. Uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not super concerned. I do wonder, you know, after after kind of the aura of winning the Big Twelve, maybe 
they won't ever die off, I would say, but things kind of calm down a little bit. I wonder if we'll see maybe at the end of this week or early next week, you know, a, a small handful of players that maybe weren't hitting the two deep, um, you know, that could put their name in. Um, obviously I think the big thing for us, um, is who we can acquire in the transfer portal to make this team reach an, another level next season. Um, you know, as we've been talking, I've been, uh, I've been kind of reading one of the message board threads and, uh, somebody's indicated, I guess, Deuce changed his Instagram to say class of 24 now on Twitter. Shut his Twitter, the fuck up. His Twitter bio says class of 24. It does say that. Shut up. Um, nothing. Yo, Shut nothing up. has been official, but, um, <laughs> did we hear whatever Scott was talking about in the live show? He thought was going to be huge for fucking next year. He, he, he did say, so Scott on his show earlier did say, he got a, a DM um, indicating uh, what the news might be. Um, and in the comments, he did put 2-2. Two, two, so that would obviously... Shut up. He deuce. Oh, um, I did so, not know that. That's amazing. Listen, listen. Now, Matt... Daniel Green. It's probably Daniel Green. <laughs> no, he's... It could be. Yeah. No, he could, he could come back one more year. Are you serious? He has his COVID, yeah, he has his COVID season still. Yeah, he can. He's only a junior, isn't he? No, he I think co- he's a super tech, senior. I think I think he's a se- or just a regular redshirt senior, senior, but he has his COVID season. Um, but now, now listen, Matt. I said last time we were on this thing that Deuce was the guy that I could see coming back. I called it. I said I Deuce would 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 probably. Of all the players that would come back, it would be Deuce that would come back. Because, you know, you got to think about it. He, his size is not going anywhere. And production-wise, he, he would gain some more. But, you know, he's never going to be that every down back in the NFL. Mm-hmm. So getting an extra 200 touches in college is not going to, like, career end him and like shorten his career like if Bijan were to come back and have another 250 carries and get absolutely pummeled by every player that knows he's getting the ball that's different Bijan uh Deuce is a totally different player and if that's true dude oh my god yeah, we'll, we'll talk next week or whatever about <laughs> next year but dude uh if that's true um um, I know. I mean, especially with some of the some of the rumors out there, maybe the offensive line, we could be seeing a lot of those players come back. If Deuce came back, I mean, there's some. What if Taylor Portier came back? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, there's 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 rumblings about the offensive line. Let's put it that way. Um, guys like KT and. Um, I can't remember who that was. Why would you ever shoot. want to leave Manhattan, Kansas? Good point. Good point. Very good point. <laughs> I mean, if we want to get down that road, KT could come back. Coop can come back. He's just a junior. Yep. I think Hayden's done. I think Hayden Gillum's done. Um, maybe not. I don't know. Uh, Duff could come back. Yeah, Christian Duffy maybe. could come back. 
could he? He has his COVID season because he was in the same class as John Holcomb, and that was the year I went to Myrtle Beach and my middle daughter learned to walk. So that was six years ago. Okay, five years ago. I don't remember, but goddamn, if I would feel bad though, kind of for like that next. God, it just sucks, you know. This COVID season is really throwing a loop into, and I can see why kids would transfer. I mean, you got seniors coming back for their sixth season when it's kind of would be your turn, but you know, whatever, fuck it. I mean, if 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 people are coming back, that means they they think they can, as a team, run it back. I mean. That I was God, Matt. You were on the same wavelength of me. We're getting shirts that say that if they come back, we, we run, run it back. back. <laughs> oh, hashtag yep. yeah. the hashtag. That's the name of this episode. Yes. Hashtag that in the episode. <laughs> yeah. If they run, if they come back, we run it back. Oh my! Uh, I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, I. I don't know about you. I think we've hit everything we've wanted to talk about tonight. Um, Two hours, maybe. I know. I know. Um, Well, for all of us here at Cocaine Willie, everybody in the live room, everybody listening on the feed and and y'all for contributing this week. We thank you. Um, We love celebrating with you. And, you know, next week, uh, Chef and I will be back. Bob will still be uh, drinking beers out of boots in Munich. Um, but uh, next week, we'll have a fun show. Um, definitely give Cocaine Willie a follow on Spotify um, to be notified of new episodes as they drop. Um, do leave us a review. Let us know how we're doing. Five stars only. I'll hashtag that. And uh, if you're on Twitter, make sure you follow the show at Cocaine Willie or follow us individually. We got Chef Andre Napier at Matt Marchesini. And again, our commish, Bob Trollsby at Bob Trollsby. Chef, lead us out. Cocaine's a hell of a drug, baby. We are all coke. Smells good in here. (laughs) We are all coke and no joke. Wildcat country, let's ride.